Thank you for joining my Parsha share this week. We're going to look at uh, Parsha's Nosoi and uh, we're going to look at the Parsha of Nozir. I've spoken about it in the past and in fact I've touched on the particular topic that we're going to be addressing today and it's a very important topic because it addresses and reflects on a contradiction in the way that we understand Nazir that's already raised in the Talmud and which is again visited by the Rishonim, the commentaries on the Chumash. And I think it's an important topic to discuss and there's a beautiful Nesivas Shalom that uh, really addresses this issue very profoundly obviously from a Hasidic perspective, but I think for all of us as Jews looking for the correct path in our Judaism and the way that we match up our worldly desires and the things that we do on an everyday basis and our spiritual less material obligations, I think this is a very important Nasibus Shalom, not even, uh, not necessarily uh, because you're a Hasidic Jew but every Jew, I guess, has a spark of Hasidic in them. And this particular Nesivas Shalom will speak to them and talk to you. And I look forward to sharing it with you. Let's begin the Nesivas Shalom. A person will feel the need at some point in their life. And by the way, what's interesting is that we don't have Nazirs today which is an interesting phenomenon. Of course, it's because we don't have any way of getting out of Naziris. There was the Nazir of Yerushalayim, and the Nazir of Yerushalayim, who was a great Talmud of Rav Kook. He was the father of Rav Sha'ari Yashuv Cohen, who was the chief rabbi of Haifa, the late chief rabbi of Haifa, and of course the father-in-law of Rav Shlomo Gorin, who was the chief rabbi of Israel, previously the chief rabbi of Tzahal, and he was a Nazir of Yerushalayim. He took upon himself Naziris decades before he died, and he grew his hair long, never had wine, etc. He was uh, an example of what it means to be a Nazir, not just because in practice he was a Nazir and did all the things that are required of a Nazir, but because he wasn't able to exit the Nazir status because you cannot bring the carbon that is required in order to exit from being a Nazir. There's no Besamikdash, can't bring a carbon, therefore you're a Nazir for life. If you take on the vow of Naziris, you remain a Nazir for life. Isha Isha, a man or woman, takes upon themselves, decides that they want to become a Nazir, some type of ascetic. That's what Nazir really means, that you are removing yourself from some aspects of day-to-day -day life, of daily life, of your obligations or desires in daily life. Rashi, Rashi says, The Nazir um, Parsha, the chapter that deals with the obligations of a Nazir, comes immediately um, after the Parsha of Soita. What's the Parsha of Soita? Soita is a wife who is suspected by their husband of being adulterous and they have to go through a whole process either to on one hand it could be that they prove that they're not an adulteress or on the other they prove um, through the process or it comes out it emerges that they have engaged in adultery and they die in a rather horrific fashion ask Rashi and of course it's a medrash it's a chazal why is it that the parasha of Soita is placed in proximity to the parasha of Nazir why should that be it says in Rashi, In order to tell you that anyone who sees a soita, sees this woman, this adulterous woman, if it turns out that she is an adulteress, and sees her in her terrible affliction, the things that happen to her, she dies in this horrific fashion, if somebody sees a soita, he should as a result of having witnessed such a horrific event, should uh, desist from drinking wine by taking on the vow of Naziris. 
Varambam Kosav Shoina. This is what the Rambam, Maimonides, writes as follows. It's at the end of Hilchus Nadorim. Of course, Hilchus Nadorim addresses the whole parasha of Nazir because Nazir, to take on a vow of Naziris, the word vow is a nader, and that's where it's to be found in the Rambam. Somebody who takes on a vow, who makes certain aspects of their daily life, of the pleasures of life, unavailable to themselves because they take on a vow not to participate in those particular pleasures, says the Rashi, Hare, who Zoriz Meshubach is considered somebody who is eager and is worthy of praise. Ketzat. What are we talking about, says the Rambam? Somebody who is a glutton. And he says to himself, you know what, I'm such a glutton. Every single day I have to have a steak lunch and a steak dinner. And he decides, I don't want to be such a glutton. I'm, I worship the consumption of meat so much that I'm now going to desist from eating meat for a year or two. Somebody who was, in modern parlance, an alcoholic drinks wine, a bottle of wine or two every single day, and they decide, therefore, decides, you know what, I'm not going to have wine anymore, I don't want to drink wine, because it's taken over my life. This is all part of the service of God, and to do a nader like that is a very positive move. And about such vows, and any vows which are similar, doesn't, doesn't have to necessarily be desisting from drinking wine or eating meat. It can be anything that's similar where you decide you're going to abstain from some pleasure which is distracting you from your Avodah Hashem. That in and of itself becomes Avodah Hashem, the service of God. And therefore it's a good thing because they become a way of protecting yourself from any type of um, bad that you might do. It's abstention. Abstention is a positive thing. If you want to find one of the methods by which you can worship God and you can act in the service of God, becoming a Nazir, taking on a vow of abstention, is one of those methods. Okay. And the Ibn Ezra, another medieval rabbinic commentary on the Chumash, writes something similarly about this very same subject. So he says that there's some similarity between the word Nazir and Nezer. He, he says, I'm not going to read the whole thing, he says that Nezer is a crown, and a king acts like a king, they have to behave with dignity, and you've taken upon yourself a crown, that's why you're called a Nazir, you have been crowned with the dignity of abstaining from aspects of life which bring you down and turn you into something that is undignified. So a Nazir is a dignified personality. And from this, the Ibn Ezra, what it says in Rashi, what the Rambam says, it would appear that being a Nazir is somehow an elevated form of Avodah Hashem. If you want to serve God in the proper fashion, becoming a Nazir is a positive thing. As it says in the Parsha, we see that the Nazir is actually referred to as Kodesh. What does Kodesh mean? Well, we always translate it as holy. We're going to stick with that translation. Sanctified. There's something special. There's something unique. There's something elevated about being a Nazir. That's the implication of the Parsha. That's the implication of Rashi, Rambam, and Ibn Ezra. Kodesh here of a Medrash, Nazir, Nikra Kodesh. And the Medrash agrees with that when it says that someone who is a Nazir is called a Kadosh. So far, we have interpreted the idea of it being a Nazir as a very positive thing. You abstain from that which distracts you from your true path, that's a good thing. Becoming a Nazir, you're going to be crowned, you're going to, you've sought a Saitab Kilkula, you want to get away from that kind of stuff, you want to make sure that you abstain from those things which distract you, whether it's meat or wine or anything else, that's what the Rambam says. 
essentially being a Nazir seems to be a very good thing. That's one side of the coin. However, we see that the Gemara says, the Gemara says, um, sorry, the Medrash, um, the Gemara says in Nazir, that somebody who is a Nazir, a Nazir Tohar, never in any way did something that somehow diminished their Nazir status. They behaved in a totally proper fashion. Nevertheless, they are called a Choyte. A sinner? Really? Why would they be called a Choyte? When they bring the carbon, it says, They're going to be forgiven in that they have sinned against a soul. Exactly against which soul did they sin? Why would a Nazir be considered to have sinned against another soul? No, it's not another soul. Ela says Rabbi Loza Hakapar, it's a fascinating Gemara. Ela, what, who did he sin against? Shetzi'er atzmei he sinned against himself. He abstained from drinking any wine and therefore he is a sinner because he should have been drinking wine and he didn't. So we see a contradiction. On the one hand, we see that a, an, a Nazir is called a Kadosh. On the other hand, we see that a Nazir is called a Kadosh. How, how, a, to, um, a choite. how can you be a Kadosh and a Chayte? How can you be someone who is both holy and a sinner? Doesn't make any sense. Let's look at what the Rambam says. Deus. In Perigimel of Hilchas Deus, Halocha Aleph, it says, Shema, Yomer Odom, Hoyel, Vahakino, Vatava, covered Riyotzebehem, Derech Ra'a, Hain, Umaitzines Odom in Oilam, Ephraish Mehen. Because all of these things which we've just mentioned, whether it's, um, it's jealousy, it's desire, it's honor, anything like that, they are very bad. I, therefore, I want to. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going to somehow be drawn into those things because actually they destroy the human condition and I'm going to deteriorate and I'm going to diminish myself as a result of being involved in any of those things. I'm going to separate myself completely from anything that may lead me down a path that will allow me to consider those things being normal. I'm going to go to the other extreme. I'm going to make sure I've got nothing to do with any of those things. I'm going to become an ascetic. I'm going to become a monk. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to uh, pursue wealth. I'm going to live in a monastery. I'm going to live on the mountaintop. I'm going to just pray to Hashem and I'm going to be a monk. I'm not going to drink any meat. I'm going to become a vegetarian. I'm not going to drink any wine. I'm going to be totally, I'm totally abstained from any alcoholic beverages. I'm not going to get married. Says the Rambam. By the way, the same Rambam who said before that it's a good thing to do a nader like that. He says that would be a very bad thing. You're not allowed to pursue this path in life. Says the Rambam, reflecting on what we see Rabbi Loza Kapra saying in, in, in Meseches Nazir. Uh, uh, the fact is that if you do that, if you pursue a path like that, you'll have done something wrong. You will be referred to as a chayt, as a sinner. It seems to be a direct contradiction to that which the Rambam wrote in Hilchus Nadorim, and therefore it makes no sense. What did he say? He said that anybody who separates themselves from their material desires is going in the right path. Not going in the wrong path. He's doing the right thing. Because somehow he's going to clarify his vision. He's going to make sure that he thinks straight. And he's going to um, do the right thing in life and not do, um, end up doing the wrong thing. That in Hilchas Nadorim he says one thing. In Hilchas Deis he says another. So which is it? The Rambam seems to be, in this particular respect, schizophrenic. Not only does he say you mustn't do it, he says that someone who does do it, who separates themselves from that which they'd like to do in life, is called a sinner. Let's look at what the Posuk says. He says we can actually derive something out of the verse that we find at the end of Parshas Nozir. Afterwards, 
The Nazir should drink wine. That's what it says at the end of the chapter about the Nazir. It says he sh- the Nazir should drink wine. It says the Nasiva Shalim asks a good question. Why is that person who was a Nazir and now is no longer a Nazir still referred to by the Posuk as a Nazir who drinks wine? He's no longer considered a Nazir. It's mutter for him to drink wine. So why is he referred to as a as a Nazir, why would you be referred to in this way? It makes no sense whatsoever. He should be referred to totally differently. In the fact that the Posuk there says that afterwards the Nazir will drink wine. It sounds like he still has a restriction with regard to the drinking of wine. Rak At this stage, it's say no, he's no longer Nazir. He was a Nazir, the former Nazir. Find some other language to use. But why refer to him as a Nazir? He's no longer Nazir. By the way, that's why he can drink wine. Why would the Torah have um, gone through this entire process telling us what the halachas were with regard to a Nazir, the entire mitzvah, is uh, given over to us and then afterwards it says yeah by the way he's still a nozzy even though he got out of it he brought the car he did everything but afterwards the nozzy should drink wine no no he's no longer a nozzy why would the torah refer to this man who's no, a woman who's no longer a nozzy why would that person be referred to as a nozzy when they drink wine after they're no longer a nozzy Vyeshla Farish or Indian says the Nasiva Shalom, we can explain this entire matter, Pimada Omar, but Teres Ovois. Teres Ovois is a sefer that was written by the original Slonim Rebbe, Sabakadisha Mislonim, that's the way he was referred to. The original Slonim Rebbe was called the the Teres Ovois, and he says, Khan, he talks about another, you know, the whole of Bamidbar is a group of interesting chapters that are placed in proximity to each other. And very often we see that Chazal wanted to understand why particular chapters were placed alongside each other. So you see, and it, and it becomes a bit of a sport. All the rabbinic commentaries love to find connections between the different parshias. You know, it's very easy in Bereshis. You can say that the, it, it follows in chronological order. First you have Odom, then you have Kain and Hevel, then you have Noach, then you have Abram, then you have Yisrael and Yaakov, you have the Shvatim, etc., etc. It's all in chronological order, more or less. But when it comes to Bamidwar, we have no idea of the chronology. And also we have, we have Parshas which relate to mitzvahs. Why would we have one Parsha that's next to another? Says the Torah's Ovois with regard to the connection of the Parshas in Parshas Nosei. He says, B'tchilo Parshas Nosei. First we have the Parsha of Nosei. A parsha that describes the ascetic who abstains from wine, etc. And then we have the parsha that talks about the blessing that the kohanim, the priests, must give to the Jewish people. And then we have the parsha, the very long parsha at the end of parsha Snosai, the twelve nasim, the princes of all the tribes of Israel. Each one of them brought gifts. Each one of them described in great detail. They're all identical. But first you have Nazir. Then you have Yevarecha Hashem Yishmerecha, etc. The Birkas Kernim, and finally you have the Parsha of the Nasim. So why are these Parshiyos? Why are these chapters in proximity to each other? Says the Torahs Avos Kitchilas Avoida He Inyan Nazir. You have to understand the beginning of the process of what it means to aspire to a greater relationship with Hashem. By the way, that's what we are as the chosen people. We are a people that are commanded and expected. To become close to Hashem. How are you going to do it? The first one, the indicator here, is the parsha of Nazir. First thing you need to do is to separate yourself from all the pleasures of this world so that you won't come to test yourself in terms of those pleasures. Because every single pleasure in this world in and of itself is a danger. It will distract you. It will somehow uh, redirect your thoughts, redirect your mind, your neshama, from your true objective, which is to come close to Hashem. Therefore, you must separate yourself. The, the whole idea of a nazir is not necessarily that you as an individual, as a man or as a woman, have to become a nazir, but it's to convey this idea that it's important, it's extremely important as a human being. 
living in the human condition, understanding all the attractions of the material world that exist out there, that we must somehow separate ourselves, distance ourselves from those pleasures in order to serve God properly. That is step number one. Now, even though through that you will be separating yourself from the material pleasures of the world, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is the essence of Avodas Hashem, of service of God. Let's understand, and this, by the way, is a very Hasidic idea. This, um, the, the whole purpose of our existence is... I mean, why were we created as physical beings? We may have well have been created as, as angels. Why were we created as human beings with an understanding of God and yet with physical and material desires? Because we are expected to take the material existence which we are in and somehow elevate it through the things that we do and bring it closer to Hashem. That is the expectation of us. We must... Um, we must take to take the, the things which are, as it were, down below and connect them to the above. And for that reason, we have immediately after Nozir, which talks about separating yourselves from any aspect of Olam Hazer, we talk about Birkas Koenim, the blessing of the priest. That's a slightly more elevated version of human existence. Why? Because it talks about the fact that even those who are involved and engaged in matters of the material world can direct them, that can somehow have the, um, use this as an opportunity to connect with the Almighty, to connect with God. The Sifri says, it's a fascinating Sifri describing the importance of Birkas Kernim, of the blessing of the Kernim, of the priests. Hashem, may Hashem bless you. What does it mean when you say, Hashem So it says first, Hashem You should be blessed with the material needs that you, that you all need, everybody needs. We need food to eat, we need money to buy food, we need money to pay rent, we need money to buy a house, we need money to have a car, to pay for transportation, whatever it is we need money for. Hashem should bless you to have all the material needs in your world. But you should be protected from those who wish to damage you, which is a kind of spiritual connotation. There's a spiritual element that we're not talking about people who are going to damage you because they're going to steal your money. The implication here is that you're going to be protected from those who are trying to damage you spiritually. God is going to bless you with all the things, the, everything that you need in in the material world. But he's saying you shouldn't be protected. You shouldn't be, sorry, damaged. You shouldn't be somehow undermined by the fact that you are, uh, you are using, you are utilizing the matters of the material world. You shouldn't be damaged from the mamain, from the money, from the wealth, from the acquisitions and from all the aspects of the material world that you come into contact with. Because all the aspects of the material world have the potential to damage. That's already the next level. One level is, I don't want anything from the material world. The next level is, listen, I'm going to have the material world, but I don't want to be damaged by it. I don't want it to cause me any harm. That's not quite the next level that we're going to describe in the Parsha Sanusim, but at the same time, it's an incredible level because it means we acknowledge the fact that we're not going to be monks living in a monastery on a mountaintop. We live in the real world, but we're just praying to Hashem, Yivarechacha, Hashem v'yishmerecha. Give us what we need, but make sure that it doesn't cause us any harm. And then, afterwards we talk about the priests and the gifts that the priests gave to the temple when it was established, when it was inaugurated. That's already the third and the most elevated level. They bought six covered wagons. What do you fill a wagon with? You fill it with material things. And that is an indicator of the highest possible level that we can achieve in the service of Hashem, in the service of God. To, to, ri to raise up and to sanctify 
It's all the matters of Olam Hazer themselves, Lashem Yisbarach Olavaydosei, to God and to His service. What is a covered wagon if not an indicator of all the material wealth that one can acquire in this world? You're going to fill up all your wagons with material wealth, but you're going to use them by giving them to Hashem, by bringing them as the, as the princely gift to the inauguration of the Mishkan. That's the connotation of the Eglois Tav, the Sheish Eglois Tav, He took, they took, each one of them took the Eglois Tav and gave them over into the service of Hashem. And it's not just that we're saying, I don't want them to do any harm. No, we're going to the next level. We're taking those very things which we consider to be material and potentially potentially damaging and we're taking them and, we're, and using them in the service of Hashem. That's the principle that we take everything that exists in Olam Hazer and we use it to its best potential. What is its best potential? You know the answer to that. Everything that we do that we can uh, that we can do which is material can be elevated to a spiritual level. You can eat an apple just because you're hungry, or you can eat an apple and say Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Boirei pre hates Suddenly, eating an apple becomes a spiritual event. You can eat a meal and you can have a good time and you can do all the things that one does in the course of a normal human existence and just do them because you want to get through your day. You woke up this morning, you're going to go to sleep tonight. You want to get through your day, your week, your month and your year. You want to have a good time and have pleasure. I know I need to work, I need to earn money, but I'm only earning money so I can have pleasure. Or you can do them because you know that you are here in the service of God, that your life is a, a ticking clock. It's a time bomb. We're all going to eventually not be here anymore. We're not going to be alive. We're going to use our existence, every aspect of our existence, not just the aspects which are spiritual, not just prayer, not just the aspects of our existence which are ephemeral because they don't really exist, but everything that we have. You know, we say, and then we say, with everything that you own, every aspect of your existence, every possession, every interaction, whatever it is that you do in life can be elevated in the service of Hashem. That's the ultimate level. Says the Nesiva Shalom. When you have this question, everyone has this question, what should I do? How am I going to be in the service of God? What can I do to be an Eved Hashem? What is it that I can do and do best? Should I entirely abstain from every aspect of this world? I'm not going to take any pleasure. I'm not going to enjoy myself. You know, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov talks about not chewing his food. He just put the food in his mouth and swallowed it, not chewing it because he didn't want to take any pleasure from the food. There was one aspect of his existence, he describes it, he talks about the fact that he wanted to experience that not having any pleasure from this world. And one of the things that he did was he didn't chew his food. That's one level. Or we could say, I'm going to take pleasure. I'm going to enjoy Olam Hazer. God put me here after all. I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to put a condition onto that. I'm going to only enjoy it, l'shem shamayim. The reason I'm enjoying it is because I'm going to use every opportunity I can with everything that I have and everything that I do in order to serve Hashem. I'm going to elevate them to Hashem Himself. What, which one is better? Is it better to totally abstain from Olam Hazer? Or, on the other hand, is it better to be someone who uses Olam Hazer, but uses it for Hashem's purposes? From this which we see in the Sabah Kadisha of Slonim, the original Slonim Rebbe, that he says in Torah's Ovois, we can see. What do we see from him? The ultimate form of the service of God is to live in this world, 
to live in the real world, to enjoy the pleasures of the world, and to embrace the pleasures of the world as long as you're doing it, l'shem shamayim, because you want to elevate those things for the service of God. That's the better way to do it, not to be an, a, monk, a monk or an ascetic living at the top of a mountain. That has no value. Yes, it has value. We're going to see in a minute. It has value, but the value is eclipsed completely by the value of somebody who takes Olam Hazer with both hands, enjoys it, takes pleasure out of it, but elevates it for the service of God. The fact is, says the Nesiv Shalom, to totally abstain, it sounds ridiculous, but it's true, to abstain from the pleasures of the world is something that we can all do and it's actually quite easy. It makes the service of God easy. If you're a dedicated religious individual, I'm not talking about somebody who's not religious, who's an atheist, who is agnostic. I'm talking about somebody who wants to be religious. You could say that the easiest path that's what the Siva Shalom is saying. The easiest path to take is one of total abstention. I'm going to separate myself from the world. I'm not going to have anything to do with the world. I'm never going to enjoy anything. I'm never reading a newspaper. I'm never meeting anybody outside of my immediate circle. I don't want to get involved with any aspect of the world. I'm not going to engage with any of the pleasures of the world because those pleasures of the world somehow are going to diminish my spiritual status. I'm not going to become close to God if I engage with those aspects of Olam Hazeh. Says in the Siva Shalom, that is the coward's way. That is the second choice. That's not the first choice. It's a derech yoise kalo. It's an easier way. I'm not part of the world, therefore I can never do an Avera. That's the easy way out. You should know, says the Nesiva Shalom. The absolute, ultimate way, the best way of doing it, is to take every aspect of Olam To take every aspect of the physical, material world that one can take pleasure from, and somehow use it, elevate it, make it special in the service of Hashem, that's in fact what Hashem wants most. That's exactly what he wants. And that's why the Torah always says that first we start with nausea. Abstention, okay, it's good, but it's not the best. Because what's he doing? The truth is, he's not doing a bad thing. He's abstaining from matters of this world which means he's not going to do any Averis. We can't complain about that. That's a good thing for him to do. He's a Nozir. Lahazir Lashem. That's why he's doing it. He wants to make sure that he never does an Avera and that everything he does is Lashem Shemaim. I understand that, but it's not the best possible way. Afterwards, he should go one step up. He should elevate himself beyond the level of a Nazir. What is that? Parshas Birkas Koenim or Parshas Anasim. The first is, I've got money and let me say, I'm going to enjoy everything that the wealth and the money gives me. The main thing is, the Yishmerech, or make sure that it doesn't damage me. That's what the Medrash says and that's what the um, Torah Ovis quotes. That make sure, Yivarechach Hashem, I have what I need in the material world, but the Yishmerech will guard me from any harm that it might cause me. But even that, that's only level two, but we need to get to level three. That is our aspiration. Is only the second level. The fact that I'm going to have all aspects of Olam Azeh in my life and I'm not going to be damaged by them. That's a good level. It's certainly above the Nazir level, but it's not the ultimate. If you want to understand what it means to have Kabbalah Satoru, we just celebrated Shavuot. We just celebrated the um, commemoration, the anniversary of receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. What does it mean? The Posuk says there that God wants us to be a Mamleches Kanim, a kingdom of priests, the Goikodosh, and a holy nation. The first thing, the most desired thing, is we should be a Mamleches Kanim, a kingdom of priests. The Indian Goikodosh Yeshnebe based Argus. Let's see what it means. Ha'achas, Shehudi Oises, Kalin Yone Ha'ila. 
The first thing is that a person should do everything that they can do for Hashem, no other cause, no other purpose. Every aspect of the world that was created, every aspect of the world that exists, that's what Hashem expects you to do. He didn't put you in this material world to abstain from it, because if you abstain from it, you may as well have been an angel, in which case you could have stayed in Shemaim. By putting in a Shema in a physical body, by putting your soul in a human body, that means that God expects more of you than to just to abstain from everything that is part of the human existence. And the example here is given the kingdom of priests. What do priests do? They eat kochim, they eat the food that has been sanctified for the Beit HaMikdash. And by doing that, they sanctify and they purify and they, um, they bring forgiveness for those who have donated that food to them. By eating the food physically, it's not because they wave their hands, it's because they physically ate the food that that person will be forgiven. He, drink, he eats meat and drinks wine and he only does it for Hashem. That, says the Torah, is the ultimate. That is exactly what Hashem wants from you. He wants you to be like the Kohen who eats Kochim. You should also treat all your food like Kochim. You should treat all your food and your wine and all your physical existence and your material desires like Kochim. That's the Madrego Helyonosha Kodosh of holiness, as the Sefer Mesilas Yesharim from the Ramchal explains so beautifully. There are people who haven't reached that level. It's not possible for them to treat the mundane aspects of day-to-day -day life in such an elevated fashion. Because the fact is, he really wants those things and he wants them on a very material level, not on a holy level, not on a spiritual level. And therefore it's very hard to designate those physical material things as part of the, uh, as part of the uh, spiritual aspirations that he has. He just hasn't reached that level that he can say, I'm only eating this fantastic steak because I'm doing it for Hashem. No, no, he takes pleasure out of the steak and he doesn't take pleasure in a godly or in a spiritual way. So for that person, perhaps it's much better for him to separate himself from all the pleasures of this world. So the the posit the the point that comes out of this is that for somebody who's able to elevate matters of Olamazer, even though he is involved in them, he is able to create Kodosh out of the mundane and chooses instead to abstain from the mundane in order to be Kodosh. That person is called a choite. That person is called a sinner. That's what it says here. Nikra choite, kivin shezui tachlis brias oilam, because you were only put here to enjoy the pleasures of this world. Don't imagine that you were put here simply to abstain from it. Being a monk is not being a human being. Being a monk is being an angel, but you weren't put here to be an angel. You weren't created as a human being in a human form with all the desires of a human being in order to be an angel. Otherwise, you would have been created an angel. And the fact is, you were created a human being, which means that you have to embrace all aspects of the physical, material world. You must be a part of it. You must make sure that it is totally embedded in your life, but you're always doing it. L'shem Shamaim. That's, that's the ultimate. Because it was God's desire that for every aspect of the human condition, of human existence, that you would uh, bring Hashem closer to you by bringing it closer to Hashem. But not everybody is, is programmed that way. Not everybody is ready for that. Some people, unfortunately, are not able to separate themselves, um, uh, sorry, to embrace matters of Olam Hazer in such a way, and they need to separate themselves from Olam Hazer in order to achieve any type of sanctified status. Such a person, the only way they can achieve that objective is if they do separate themselves from all the pleasures 
and desires of this world because by doing that then they can stay on an elevated status because if they would do the things of Olam Hazer they would never be able to appreciate the godliness of this world or be able to devote their lives to God in a spiritual sense. Now we can understand the stira, the contradiction that exists in this parish of Nozir where one said it's a choyte and the other one said it's a kodosh. Because the way of a Nazir is Kadosh. If we're talking about a person that hasn't got any other solution in order to make sure that he's not going to fall into the trap of his material desires, the only way he can do it is if he separates himself from inyone oilamazer, from matters of this world, in order to be a nozer, so that he can become close to God. It's part of this idea that a human being has weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. And some of us have weak, more weaknesses in one area and some of us have more weaknesses in another area. And sometimes in order to achieve our objectives in terms of our spiritual, our godly aspirations, we have to avoid certain things or not go to certain places or not speak to certain people because if we do, we're going to fall into the trap of our physical material desires in a way that we won't be able to control. That is one level of what it means to be an Evet Hashem. And all my life, he says, I never ate. This is an interesting story. It's a sort of a, about a narcissus in the Gemara, about a Nazir who was a very beautiful, good-looking man. He came, to, he came here in the Gemara to Shimonat Sadik, one of the great um, uh, rabbis of the Talmud. And he said to him, I want to be a Nazir. And you know that Shimon Sadiq said, I never saw such a pure and holy person. He was so good looking at curly hair. And he, I said to him, why is it that you would want to cut this beautiful curly hair that you have? And he said, because I looked inside the water. It's a very similar so story to Narcissus. He looked into the water, he saw a reflection of himself and he was overcome with the Sahara about himself, ego and desire. And he decided the only way that he was only going to be able to conquer that was if he cut off his hair and became a Nazir and, and Shimon Tzadik, the great Shimon Tzadik, kissed him and admired him and saluted him for having behaved in this fashion. When he saw that his Yetzer his desires, his inclination was so strong that he wouldn't be able to conquer it. Then he stood up and he made a shavua. He made a vow that he was going to cut his hair off. He was going to become a nozer. He didn't want to be, uh, have any part of such behavior. Such a person can be considered a kodesh because he had no option. He had no alternative. In order for him to be pure, he had to separate himself from the evil that would have drawn him away from Hashem. That is a simon kedusha. That is a sign of somebody's sanctity, of somebody being sacred, of somebody being dedicated to the extent that they will do what they need to do in order to achieve, to achieve that objective. And then we have the other Gemara. Rabbi Loza Kapra says that a nozir is considered to be a sinner. What are we talking about? He stopped drinking wine. There, Rabbi Loza Kappa is talking about somebody who could drink wine and nothing bad is going to happen to him. He's going to remain the same holy person. And by the way, and then he could make a bracha. And if he drinks a better wine, then he can say a second bracha. But by separating himself from wine, by refusing to drink wine, He's not going to be able to make those brachas. He's not going to be able to elevate the drinking of wine so that he can become sacred through that. He's not going to be able to make Kiddush. He's not going to be able to drink Arba Kaisais. He's not, there's so many aspects of his spiritual life that will be damaged by the fact that he doesn't drink wine. That is not a Kodosh. That is a Chayte, says Rabbi Loza Kapper. But only if he's somebody who when he Drinks wine is not going to become an alcoholic and is not going to see his life deteriorate, his relationships go bad. He's not going to be diminished spiritually by drinking wine. Obviously, if that's the case, 
Much better to become a Nazir. Much better to abstain from wine if that's going to be the outcome. But we're talking about, Rabbi Lozar Kappar is talking about somebody totally different. Somebody who can manage that particular aspect of their lives and then to abstain from it would mean that he would be considered a, would be considered a choyte. The fact that he has abstained from wine and no longer drinks it means that he is considered to be a choyte, to be a sinner. Remember, what the tachlis of the bria is, that you must drink, that not you must drink, that you must uh, do all the things that you need to do in life, all the aspects of the physical life, including drinking wine and alcohol, including eating the finest meat and the finest foods, including wearing the nicest clothes, including living in the most beautiful homes, including all the aspects of the physical material world that we are familiar with, as long as you are doing them L'Shem Shemayim meaningfully, you're not doing them L'Shem Shemayim fake, you're doing them meaningfully L'Shem Shemayim, then to abstain from them, would mean that you are a choyte. You must elevate every aspect of Olam for the sake of God. And this person could have taken the drinking of wine and turned it into something which was for the benefit of Hashem, for the will of God, that he could have carried out the will of God by drinking the wine and he refused, and therefore he is considered, he is named, he is termed to be a choyte, a sinner, because he went ahead and separated himself from wine. And therefore we can explain a particular quotation from Chazal which says that we quoted in Rashi earlier on that somebody who sees a soita when she is in her worst situation the soita is dying the soita has reached this horrible moment in their life they were an adulteress they were exposed and they die in this horrific fashion and Chazal say that he who sees or she who sees a soita bekilkula in that moment should be yazir atzmai minayain should separate themselves from wine. Shekvah hikshu bezeharei haraya soita bekilkula kvar raes hara bechiuray ubechisus u fachisusay. Somebody who's already seen the soita. They've seen that horrific situation. They've already got PTSD as a result of having observed the soita in that. And they're going to avoid any bad because they'll have witnessed the evidence firsthand that a soita who sinned is going to be, who's going to die in this horrific fashion. And therefore, they don't need to take on anything extra because they already have that experience. They have that in their mind's eye. Therefore, why should they take on any kind of restriction in their life? Why would they need to separate themselves from wine? And here, the Nesiv Shalom says something beautiful. He says there's a beautiful story from the Baal Shem Tov that can help us understand that particular um, juxtaposition as mentioned by Chazal and brought down by Rashi. The Baal Shem Tov, Baal Shem Tov once saw a Jewish person desecrating the laws of Shabbos. He didn't keep Shabbos, he was a Mechal Shabbos. He'd never seen it before. He'd never observed a Jewish person not keeping Shabbos properly. And he said, you know what? Nothing happens for nothing. There's no such thing as an event that happens in your life that happens for no reason whatsoever. And therefore, if it happened, it means that you, I've got some connection to it. There must be some element of connection between me and the fact that this person that I observed was a Mechel Shabbos. Somehow I must be connected to Chilul Shabbos. It's a fact that if I saw Chil Shabbos, there must be some aspect of my life which is connected to the sin of Shabbos desecration. Uvodak, and he sat and he thought about it for hours and hours and hours. He couldn't imagine because he'd never been Mechalel Shabbos in his life. He'd never even come close to being Mechalel Shabbos in his life. So what could it be? He thought back and he said, you know, I want, I remember that I overheard somebody saying terrible things 
about a Torah scholar. I never protested. I never said anything to the guy. I just let it go. The Talmud Chochem who beginas Shabbos, and we know, we have this principle, this idea, this ideal, that the Talmud Chochem is a representation of Shabbos. Somebody who's a Torah scholar is like a Shabbos in our world. The Zilusa the Talmud Chochem nechshach loy me'enchil Shabbos, and if somebody insults or offends a Talmud Chochem, he's like a mechalo Shabbos, and I saw that happening. And I did nothing about it. So he thought back and he went through the whole process and he realized not that he is a Mechalal Shabbos about Shem Tov. Of course he wasn't a Mechalal Shabbos. But he had seen somebody being insulting towards the Talmud Chochem and he had done nothing. And as a result of that, he was somehow connected to this Avera of Chilal Shabbos. Somebody who sees a Saita Somebody who sees an adulteress who's exposed as somebody who behaved immorally, married and yet engaged with another person to whom she wasn't married, means you're somehow connected to that sin, even though you never sinned in that. Somehow you are connected to it. You're vulnerable to it. You're somehow involved with it in even the most tertiary way. It's not direct, it may be indirect. The fact that you've seen it, say Chazal, means that you're connected to it. And that being the case, you don't have any other choice but to separate yourself from wine. Wine is um, alcohol. Alcohol loosens your inhibitions, allows you to behave in a particular way, which may be flirtatious which may be inappropriate. And that being the case, you've been warned by seeing a Saita Bilkulkula that the first thing you need to do is separate yourself from the cause of that Avera. Then the next level is, you, okay, you can go back to not being somebody who separates yourself from that, but you should treat it as something that you need help with. You need V'yishmerecha. You need God to protect you, to make sure you're not going to fall into the traps that that involvement involves, that that um, doing that particular aspect of life's activities will mean that you fall into the trap or the, you become endangered. And ultimately, the ultimate form of being a good Jew is to take every aspect of life, whether it be drinking wine or eating meat or any other aspect of one's material existence and elevating it to the level that you can say, I am a true Evet Hashem. Yes, I'm a creature of Olam Hazer, but my ultimate aspiration is Olam Haba, is to be an Evet Hashem, to be a servant of God. We'll leave it here.